0: Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed show, Wednesdays at 10pm on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 25. Yes, a quarter century of this show has made it on FM radio of Barners Before Bed. Presented by Weagle91.1. And this show has always been centered around one thing and one thing only. There's been some other side parts, but our main theme here on Barners is college football. And boy, just like how we narrowly escaped being late to the show, Auburn narrowly escapes out in the Golden State, claiming their first ever victory in that state. Our first segment today, we're going to discuss what happened this past Saturday as well. Down the road, we're going to talk about the world of college football, maybe even a little NFL We just saw the news that Aaron Rodgers just got injured, so we would like to wish our condolences to all Jets fans who just wasted an entire offseason of hype and now have to deal with Zach Wilson once again. But that's enough NFL talk for the first segment. Let's detour back to the Auburn Tigers. A 14-10 narrow win out there in Cal Berkeley. Some positives on the defensive end. Lots of positives on the defensive end. A few scaries on the offensive side, but hey, at the end of the day, a win is a win. And Tumor's corner was white and filled with toilet paper, and we are two and zero, oh. fellas.
1: What are your main takeaways from this past weekend? Eugene Asante. is a dog. We found, yeah, you know, we were no. worried, position that we were very worried about, and you know, to some degree, still are as far as the front seven is concerned. But getting to see that we have a guy who uh, has a high motor and can just go around and make plays. Not only did he lead the team in tackles, but a lot of them were on big second and third downs, so he's able to make crucial plays as well, which is really
2: exciting to see. Yeah, I was excited about that front seven. Um, there were weird times where occasionally they'd you know, get a big little run, but, I mean, looking at it, 2.8 yards per rush. I mean, the front mm-hmm. seven was our biggest worry, and their biggest strength was their run game. So we put Jay Knott in the lockbox. I mean, 20 carries for 78 yards. He had a t- he had a- He had a good touchdown run, but outside of that, really – Super impressed with our front seven.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think everybody, the whole defensive unit just played really well. I think even our DBs played well. We've had two interceptions. Uh, Donovan Kaufman, too, is another name that has stood out these first two games. He played really, really well. Unfortunately, um, he got hurt uh, sometime in the second half. I think it was a concussion maybe um, or symptoms like that. So I wish wish the best for him. But he, he was a dog. He was the highest graded PFF cornerback. Um and like I said, Eugene Asante played really really well. He's, he's just got a great story too. He uh he played scout team last year. He asked coach Harson if he can play scout team just to like I don't even know why really, but he just wasn't getting the playing time he wanted and he probably had something to prove. So just going from scout team and his father passed away this past February, so he's got a chip on his shoulder. I really like his story. I really like how he plays.
2: He wanted to get some quality reps against the ones.
3: Right.
0: Yeah, he was an absolute ball hawk the entire game. We can talk about the defense as much as we want to, and we will continue to talk about him. But let's take a quick trip to the offensive side of the ball. Was there an MVP of the offensive side? I have one person that I could give credit to MVP for, and that was Mr. Fairweather with the uh,
1: game-winning touchdown. Other than that, I really um, didn't see any positives from the offensive mine, side. This, is, this might be kind of a hot take. So mine's actually going to be Peyton Thorne. Uh, Just because of that last drive, you know, a lot of the beat writers on on three were talking about how that's something we can point to in the offense and be happy about going forward. But Thorne made a lot of the right reads, and uh, he just, you know, he delivered some good balls down the stretch and, you know, led our team down the field to score a game-winning touchdown. So, I think that was, you know, pretty big to see out of our new quarterback. And another thing I was positive from the offensive side I'll
0: take away, because we can go on and on about the fumbles. The main storyline we'll talk about, too, is 27 was back. Great to see him back in the blue and white. And he didn't have his best game. A little rusty. Coach Free said of himself, maybe maybe should have had him in some places, maybe should have not had him in some places. But all in all, maybe rusty, getting off the rust. And we're happy to have that out of the way in Week 2. But... I love what Demari Alston said in his Monday recap of the game, talking about we were going to do anything we can to get that first down to seal the game. I can't say verbatim what he said because I don't know if I can say it on FM radio. He said it to the national media, so I guess it's fine. But I don't want to risk anything. But I love seeing that quote. What did you all see that this yes, morning? Yes, it did.
2: and it was really <clears throat> what I was going to say. I've, I'm kind of with you, uh, Jack. Like I, Painthorn, two early turnovers. Just weird game we had to play. I, I don't think enough people gave us credit. Um, I mean, I'm not saying we need it, but it was—it is just a weird game. Even though it is Cal Berkeley having to go 2,000 miles away, I'd imagine half these players have never been to the been to the Pacific time zone, and they're having to you know stay up till midnight the night before. They're playing in a new stadium, having to play. Their internal body clocks telling them it's 1 a.m. and they're still having to win a game, and they did. And Peyton Thorn was a big part of that, I believe. Did he go six for six on that final drive? I uh, no. No. He had one ball that should have been Yes. It was yes. Kind of, it was a bad ball. But yes. other than that, he was good. Yeah. Just tremendous grit from the team. Um and I think Hugh Freeze said it said it well that basically he was that's the biggest thing he's impressed with is that it was a hard situation. You know, Cal didn't have a ton of people there, but I mean, they might have been pumping it up on on the broadcast, but it sounded decently loud. And I'm sure these guys, it's such a new team, young team. I'm sure that it was easy to get rattled, and they really didn't. They went down, they had the confidence, got the touchdown, got the stop, got the interception, and then got that first down. I was, I was extremely impressed with our grit and toughness.
0: Yeah, the and to piggyback off that, Garber, there was a lot of factors coming into this game. Cal's in the ACC, Cal's 100th anniversary of their stadium. They're celebrating the Cal-Stanford game involved with that. It was a gold out, even though I didn't see any gold. It was mainly Navy in that stadium. Did you all see any gold? Am I, am I blaring here, or I don't remember any sort of gold out yeah, that I, mean, I was promoted. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of hype going into this game for them, obviously for a school like Cal, seeing the name Auburn, as Jalen Ott prefaced the game by saying we're not scared of the name. I hope that he's doing okay, by the way. But we before that, we sort of kept him in check. I thought that was some bulletin board material, which I love to see that we're not getting pushed around no more. This is not last year's Auburn team or a t- few years before. But, again, we won. You said it. We found a way. Grit. Just getting more numbers in that win column. I don't care how, why, or what led to adding wins in that win column, and we did it. And it was maybe the ugliest win of my entire football fandom. Besides Mm, the Missouri win last year. I'll I'll say that. I think the
2: Missouri win was was certainly – there were no positives coming out of that game. Yeah. I but, mean, I think, but I think this was more stressful because, I mean, we're still so early in the season and wanted, you know, it would have been devastating to lose that. If we had lost Missouri, we already knew. We were a lame yeah. duck at that point. I will say uh,
1: we need to look it up. I wonder – Auburn's got to be top ten in the FBS right now in uh, forced turnovers. Let me look,
2: hmm. look We've had, if you all want to continue. We should have
1: had two picks in the last game, but we had two this game, and I believe, what, did we recover two fumbles or just one?
2: They had three turnovers. Yeah, so two fumbles, I believe.
1: Two picks and a fumble. Yeah, and then we had one last week. So I mean, we're we're causing turnovers, which is something I feel like I haven't really seen in the last two years at out of Auburn is uh, making. You know, we make key plays on defense, but forcing huge turnovers that can swing games. Uh, it's good to see early that we're we have that effect and we can go out and make
2: plays. We that, are 19th in the country. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that 2.5 turnovers a game.
1: That's yeah. one thing
3: we did very poorly last year's forced turnovers. However, on the flip side, um, my concern with this game is that we looked very much like we did last year in the sense that we coughed up the ball a whole lot. We have th- we had three fumbles, I believe, and we lost all three of them.
2: Mm. Yes.
0: Yeah, there was so. – we also were very lucky in the fact that Cal kicker – get kept that too keeping I that mean, door
3: open, yeah that that too, like if you look on paper, like we should not have won this game we we lost the total yards battle, uh lost the penalty battle, turned the ball over more, the t o p we had i think we had the ball ten minutes less than they did, like there's no indication on paper that we should have won this game, so
2: but part of but part of that i mean is part of that is a plus though being able to win games that you're not supposed to, i mean, you just you need to be able to do it in this league, I'm not saying. We can let every game be like that, but I think, like I, like I said earlier, I think a lot of a big. I, I don't think enough people gave it credit how how weird of a game that was for our players, how hard these it is for these players. These players are young. These players aren't used to. It's not like the NFL where they, it's just a business and you can you're supposed to be able to travel anywhere and play well. No, I mean they got they had to play at 9:30 p.m. internal body clock. It, it was tough. It reminded
0: world. me a lot of a non conference basketball game on let's say, a Tuesday where you travel across the country and play in some tournament where we played against USC last year and yeah. didn't play our best. That's what it gave me the same taste of. And, yeah, we are just keep coming back to it. We won. You can talk about what we can fix. One thing I do want to talk about in regards to fixing things is I am tired of the two-quarterback system. I think it disrupts mojo, especially if we do not trust Robbie whatsoever to throw the ball. And I just feel like it's – I don't get the point.
1: I mean, there's, he's, I think the whole idea is that he's too good of an athlete to just have sitting on the bench. And I think Freeze is going to – you know, it's we're two games into the season. We're going to find the right mix of using Robbie as an asset and then, you know, staying with Thorne. So as, as the season goes on, I'm sure it'll, it'll
2: quietly fade out. I was about to say, I think it's a good thing that Hugh has been adamantly aware of that to the media and to everybody that – he he recognizes that he probably hasn't utilized the situation the best. I think I think I saw what he was trying to do, which was, you know, just to create a spark, bring in a spark, you know, create some momentum. We needed it desperately. There were some there were some lulls in this game that it just it seemed bleak. And I think we were trying to scratch it and claw in it anyway to just get some yards, get some points, get some get some explosive plays. I mean that's Hugh Freeze's MO, is explosive plays. And we're really still kind of yet to see it as much, and I think he was hoping maybe Robbie could deliver that. But I'm with you, Trat. I think if we're not gonna ever let him, like this week, I really hope we let him throw because if we don't let him throw this week, then there's really there, there's really no reason to be putting him out there in in any sort of passing down situation. I agree. We should be ri- we should be riding with. With Peyton this for the. If we
0: tournament. had like a wide receiver playing in a wildcat role in that spot, a hundred percent, don't let him throw the ball. But we have a guy who's played quarterback in high school, has played quarterback at this level. Yes, at times last year he showed incompetence dropping back in the pocket, maybe a little too quick would rush out. We also had a horrible O line last year, but you're telling me that we couldn't do a play action pass with Robbie at least once? I feel like they would just pack the box and it was just, just nothing there, and we always kept. It was a lot of QB powers to the right, and I feel like there was no, for lack of better terms, diversity in our play calling with Robbie on the field. I feel like we could have used, utilized him better, but it's week two, and we won. Any last takes from this game? Give me, actually, let's do this. On a scale of one to ten, how confident are you feeling in the rest of the season
2: after this win? In uh, For the rest of the season, outlook, I... I mean, I'm I'll, st- I'll still put it. I mean, I I think going into that game, I had about a seven. If I if I have anything less, I have about a six point seven. I it didn't rattle me too bad. I mean, I'm still at an eight because I think
1: the biggest key on us right now is our offensive line has looked pretty solid through two weeks. Um, it's early in the season. You know, I think LSU is a good indicator of that. Last year, look at where they started and look where they finished. So, uh, I'm still I'm still riding at an eight. Yeah, I mean, it's week two. I mean, I I can't come
3: to jump to any conclusions quite yet. Uh, y'all already hit the nail on the head. I mean, if offensive line is night and day better. Cam Stutz, by the way, holy cow. Yeah. Did y'all see his uh, t- tape from last uh, two nights ago? Yes. Very yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm still at like
0: a 7-8. I'll hover around the 7-8 range, too, and I'll give y'all a little brain token, ball token here to – before we wrap up the first segment, 2013, we beat Washington State at home by eight. Guess what their record was? Six and seven. What did we end up doing? Going to the natty. All that matters, win, baby. All right, that's it for the first segment. Great little recap. Glad to get that off our chest. We were doing a new trial, not talking about the game until we had microphones in front of our faces, and I thought it went well. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the college football landscape and, boy, what happened down in Tuscaloosa and the rest of the SEC. Thank you guys for staying up with us. This is Barnes4Bed, and we will be back shortly. And welcome back to Barners Before Bed, here for the second segment of our weekly Monday night show. For those of you just tuning in, we just broke down the Cal Berkeley game. I think we all agree that we're hovering around the 7 or 8. Still positive. Glad it was a win, but it's time to put that one in the rearview mirror and accept it as a win and move on to week 3. But first, before we do that, let's take a look around the rest of the world, more specifically what happened up north in T-Town. Wow.
1: Jack, you were there. What was the vibe like? And you were rocking an Auburn um, polo, I believe. Oh uh, yeah, I don't I've I don't go into Tuscaloosa without repping the orange and blue. Um For me, it was glorious. It was glorious. Uh I mean, f- before the game, it was one of the most packed towns, college football towns I've ever seen. I mean, there were you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the city. Uh so it was a great game day atmosphere. Um Texas is good. Their defense looked really good. Quinn Ewers yours threw the ball like nobody's business. There were a couple of throws where me and my brother just kind of looked at each other in awe because we were so, you know, it's it's always a thing of beauty to see that in person. So, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun to be there. Did, Gar- you, did, you, did you stay till uh, the clock hit zeroes? I did not because there was a varsity game at 930. Oh, yeah, that's all right.
0: And that's I believe it. you were taunting the Houndstooth folk walking out of there by saying the varsity
1: game was at 9, correct? Uh, I did in 9:30. Um, I also I, what I really enjoyed was going up to every Texas fan and doing that, doing horns down, and then uh, or and every Bama fan, giving them a hook em. just you know, gotta keep, got can't let them know your next move. Yeah, yeah keep them game. on their toes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A strictly, I'm not cheering for a
2: strictly Auburn man. Yeah, I'm
1: not cheering for anybody.
2: Yeah, you're just cheering against Alabama. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, though mm, that game was awesome. That. The thing that jumped out to me was the way I'm mean, gonna ask, I didn't really I really did not expect Texas I didn't know they had that in them. And I guess I was wrong. I was wrong, and I'm and I'm very happy about it. But what really I didn't expect was the way that they won the game. I did not expect them to just establish and dominate the line of scrimmage like they did. I mean they're, that D line created pressure and really was the thorn in the side of a, of a Nick Saban. Not being able to establish that run game because, evidently, Jalen Milroe even though he had he what broke some record for Alabama with what was that stat three, three touchdown touch passes to rushing yeah, against School for the Blind. I mean, it, it evidently they needed to run. They needed to establish the run game a little bit more, and they could not do that. And it was it was really awesome to see. It's I I personally love. Watching Alabama get beat yeah. up front.
1: Well, that's, uh, that's compounding exciting. on that, I mean, look at how much preseason hype their offensive line has got. Because oh, all- they're technically yeah. bigger than the average NFL line. Uh-huh. So to see that was very shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah.
2: That was also the thing. It was all we heard this year was that oh, Alabama's back, and I and I honestly kind of believed in, was nervous about it. Not to say that they're not still back, and not to not to not give credit to Texas and their front seven, but that. That O line and run game was not as uh, prolific as as what we kept in all year. Graham, mm. Dude,
3: Alabama just doesn't have that guy this year offensively. That's just a playmaker. I mean, like you already said, like they they couldn't, you know, establish dominance on the line of scrimmage. I think they only ran the ball for about 105 yards or so. Like, I mean, when you run that the ball is that poorly, then you got to rely on, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jalen Milrow to deliver through the air. And then they just don't have guys that – they just don't have studs that, were, that uh, we're accustomed to Alabama having. So, And then defensively also, like they got NFL guys all over the field, especially in the DB room. And, I mean, Quinn Ewers had his way. I think this was Alabama's statement
0: game of saying that they're now a basketball school. There may have been five people at game day. <laughs> I don't even think Roll Tide Willie went to game day. He was doing whatever with Barstool. They're they all left the game early. It was a very, it was a great coming out party for that program to announce, "Hey, we're a basketball school now."
1: Yeah, I I can attest to that. There were numerous amounts of fans leaving the stadium when there was still you know plenty of time for Nick Saban to come back ten points down. Uh, we've seen him do it many times before. It was definitely still possible, so I was very impressed by the fact that that many fans left early. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. There's eight minutes left, and they're just
3: flooding out of the stadium. That is just wild I was With
0: every Bama game, I always have in the back of my head, like, hey, something's going to happen. They're going to find a way back. They always do. But it sort of gave the same feeling of the Ole Miss game from 2015 where Ole Miss was in control the majority of the game. Even when Alabama went up 16-13, I'm like, okay, they have the better quarterback on the field. They got some weapons. They have a national championship. Wynum McElroy said it himself. He He said this was a – national championship caliber team, or at least a college football playoff caliber team, and I believe they're going to run the table in the Big 12. I regret not putting them in my preseason college football playoff ranking as I put LSU and Clemson, boy, some Desmond Howard tokens for me. <coughs> Garb, what are your
2: takeaways from this game? You've been a little quiet. I, I mean, i just just saying it. I mean, I, I was just so excited to see. I believe I was
1: the only one who was really thought it was plausible because I had Texas in my CFP. Graham, did you I
3: well I have Texas under nine and a half wins this season, so yeah. I'm I'm so eating my words. Yeah, I mean right.
2: I I mean it's just been hard. It's been a I mean, season after season you hear it, Texas is back and it's like fool me once, shame on you, you fool know. me twice. Yeah. Sam Ellinger is no Quinn Ewers. That is true. That was two of those ball those two deep balls, those on were, left were good Lord. ex Scott, exciting. I mean oh, I yeah. both of those I was just like, Oh, he overthrew it, like he's gonna he missed his chance, like they're going to lose. And it just lands perfectly in the receiver's hands. Oh, that was awesome. How excited would you be if
0: you're an NFL GM watching College football right now, knowing there may be five to seven guys that are first-round caliber QBs? I think oh, That's that. kind of a stretch. I don't yeah. know if Bo Nix is a – I was
1: going to throw him in that category. Is he I, yeah. a first-round caliber guy? He, he's got the tools, and he's matured a lot. I think he would uh, – he won't be a first-round guy just because there's so many other quarterbacks. I think you would normally have five or six – like, at most, you're going to have five or six go, and I think he's the seventh. So, he's definitely you know he's definitely a top-two, top-three-round pick, though, without a doubt. Yeah,
0: speaking of first-round caliber quarterbacks, are you all drinking this Colorado Kool-Aid? I, yeah. That I mean, was – I don't want to say I was surprised because Nebraska's not that good, and they haven't been since we've been alive. But I really felt like that TCU came into the season overrated. They lost a bunch of people from their prior run the year before. It was a luck of the Irish, whatever you want to call it, win at TCU. But they doubled down, and they handled it despite a very sloppy and rough
1: first half of ball that was sort of painful to watch. They just dominated I mean, I think that would be the closest thing to the national championship hangover that you could get as a Colorado team. You know, when you know, I'd like—I don't know when it was, but I, there's no way it was recent. Last time Colorado beat a ranked opponent, they're coming off a one-win season, and you come in when your season opener against a ranked opponent. And I mean, I—I I wouldn't feel like it's crazy to say that there's a little bit of a, a hangover there going into this game, and we saw it in the first half.
0: Imagine being a yeah. die-hard
1: Buffaloes fan. That's such a
0: random
2: school. Do it, exist. I can. They and they're do. in the I same mean, categories. 80s. Like they 80s. ran things in the eighties. Yeah, for a little say, bit. They,
1: they've had their time. So in the there's life. definitely,
2: but the younger generation definitely not. These co- I think what's crazier is imagine being a college student our age that came in three years ago to Colorado. Just you know wanted to go to Colorado. Must have liked something out there. Uh, yeah. Loved mountains. Who doesn't love mountains? I can think um, of something else. But they. Uh, yeah, no expectation of football. And then, bam, Dion Sanders is your head coach. Mm-hmm. And now you're – You have the most – like the Swiss
1: Army knife of college football. Yeah. They're I mean, the it program in college football. I, I, most I, I marketable. was – we were
2: talking about like, I wonder if the the university is having trouble like handling this. Like oh, yeah. like Auburn's got it down to a science to bring 87,000 people into a football game, how to move them. Well, actually not really how to move them around because the student section lines were terrible on week one. But yeah, I agree. They're, they've they got it better than – I could imagine Colorado is probably – those poor stadium workers working there for the past 20 years, having nobody come, and then, Boom. bam, it's a full stadium, <laughs> yeah. and people are fighting to get in. I mean, I'll get back to the Kool-Aid. I think, I think I'm ready to start sipping it. Um, I, I definitely wasn't – and that's a big turnaround from where I was. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just part of me. I don't like buying into when – Universally, everyone jumps on a hype train. I like I like to be cautious and, and watch it watch it start rolling before I jump on. And I don't know I don't know if I'm quite ready to jump on, but maybe I'm running to catch up to the train right now. I think
3: I think I'm gonna start sipping or completely pour it out and throw it away while we are in Aggieland mm. um, In two weeks, they got a 2:30 kick against at Oregon. That day, yeah. they could very well they they're obviously gonna win on Saturday. I think who are they playing? Colorado State, State. Um, and then their next three games, they could very easily Where go three and, three and
1: three, which, keep in mind, is still light years above what the expectation is for this season. I
3: mean, their their win total is projected at three and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Halfway there. Let's
1: preface that drinking the Kool Aid is not expecting Colorado to even remotely run the table in the Pac-12. The
2: guy who. But are there the, not? Uh, he, but are there not people that think that right there now? are? There are. But, there are people so, that are.
1: But Level-headed people, and that's not what we mean by drinking the Kool-Aid. I think drinking the Kool-Aid for me means that they could win potentially seven or eight games. Well, now Maybe. drinking the Kool-Aid for Colorado is seven, seven, eight's a lot. Who knows? I what mean, the they're ranked. Is. It has
2: to be their ceiling. Theoretically, should be playoffs. I mean, if they're ranked, I think yes, it's, it's a I disingenuous. Crazy that it's they're a disingenuous ranked. rank. If it's not, if the AP voters don't think that they could be in the championship, I don't know why. They're ranking them. Think right.
0: about how far Colorado's it's come. We're in looks. a radio show in Auburn, Alabama, and we're talking about him right now. And speaking of the Auburn-Colorado yep. pipeline, does anyone feel a little, little scary about Tavares Dawson?
1: Yeah, he looked he look good. I mean, what tank I like say it. Tank came out and said something. That well. we didn't utilize him correctly. Yeah. Isn't that kind of the theme? It appears so. <laughs> you, just Coach ask Eugene. middle or outside linebacker. Coach H. Yeah, Spe-
2: we already broke our rule earlier, Graham. Yeah, but, uh,
1: I think we've spoken about him every episode. We've, uh, well,
2: someone spoke his name out. It's like Voldemort. We don't. Well, the class of 24 yeah, at Auburn needs a COVID way. year for what Harson did to us as fans
0: these past two seasons. But, yeah. anyways, that's enough Harson talk. But around the rest of the SEC, Again. is anyone just a little worried? This could be the year where it may be the most random college football playoff, the 2007 type feeling. There's a legitimate possibility. Let's say a two loss SEC champion doesn't get in the college football playoff. There could be maybe two teams from the Pac 12 wildly. I think Florida State is going to run the table and get in.
1: I mean, I would agree. Texas,
0: I don't know who would stop them after if they play like that the rest of the year. USC, if they keep, they're going to find a way to get Caleb Williams in. And then usually that fourth will be the SEC championship or champion if it's two losses. And there's like a one-loss Big Ten team as in a Michigan or Ohio State. you got to put the one-loss Big Ten team ahead of them, right?
1: Right, but, I mean, the odds of Georgia losing two games uh, not in the SEC championship would be is astounding. Georgia's going to be in it. It doesn't even have to
0: be Georgia. It could be Alabama, could be Tennessee, could be LSU. Going to that game with two losses, upsetting Georgia, and then
1: taking or not getting that spot. Well, see, now I'm going to go ahead and I think in this, I mean, maybe not. It dep- they'd have to win the SEC championship for Bama and LSU, but they have both have a loss to two teams that I think are going to be in the college football playoffs. And a big argument there that I've seen in the past is if, you know, you're an 11-1 borderline team and one of your losses is to a team that's already in, uh, they usually don't
2: look happily towards you. I would love to see a 2007 season where easy. just yep. everyone just keeps losing. That was my like first you year get up, watching ball too. You, that get up, you get up to the top, you get up to the top, and you just fall. That would be if we, yeah, if we could just see some madness. See, see Florida State lose to Clemson. Like what? Like what if that happens? But then everybody else loses a game, so it's like, do you you have to respect them, right? You know. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I wonder if this is a common common theme though. Every couple of years is that. Everyone wants to compare 07 when we're in, like, week two. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I feel like we've seen that a few times. But we will continue to see some chaos throughout the season. But for now, we're going to take a short break, come back, do a little buy-sell on the first two weeks. You never know. Clemson or whoever could turn this thing around and make this an 07-type chaotic season. But thank you guys for staying up with us. We will be back shortly.
2: Kaboom!
0: I love it. I love nice. it, dude. That's, what is that? This is our fight song on all the NCAA video games because we wouldn't license out the the main one. Well, good memories with that. Tiger rag. Always beautiful to hear. But anyways, let's continue to talk about the college football world. And we mentioned week three earlier. We got the the Sanford. Wow, do I even know their mascot? This is probably... If, if a Bull, Sanford uh, fan's listening... Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Not from the state of Alabama. That's like, Do, do you all know what Eastern Kentucky's mascot is? Something uh, in Western surely. Eagle. Yeah. Okay. So I feel better with that. This is the Colonels. But moving on, uh, Sanford. Mr. Washington. Mm. <laughs> y'all, we wanted to talk a little bit about next week before we got into the buy sell. What? Do you, give me a quick rundown of Sanford. What do I need to know?
1: Uh, you know they're they're not very good from what I from what I gather. Great analysis, Garb.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's an FCS opponent, um, in state opponent. I like that we're playing them. You know, I think when we we, should, we play these cupcakes, if you will, um. It's good to keep it in state, you know, support some local. Yeah, if we're going to give out the support money. Some lo- support right? some local local programs, give them some money. Yeah. Um, they're coming off a big loss to Western Carolina. so It's always a tough they, environment. Yeah, I also want to say this is an opportunity
1: for the first time in our college experience for the Tigers to start off 3-0. and
0: well, yeah, but we were playing Penn State. Either way, hey, we don't yes. need to preface it. I'll take did it. twenty
2: twenty. What
0: did we do we? No, we lost to Georgia on
2: game day. Was that week three? It was week two. Mm-hmm. Week two. Wow, Georgia. I that was I a weird, that weird, weird that season. Was...
3: Graham, any Sanford intel? No, I mean, I just it's not. I'm glad we're playing this game because I'm glad we're we're gonna let some guys get some rest. Like we, we're, I mean, we're dealing with some injuries right now. If, if you really think about it, I mean, Cam Stutz. DK Kaufman, Keontae Scott, all got hurt. Back. Pritchett, uh, McLeod is kind of battling some lingering issues with his ankle. Nick Marner, we still haven't seen him. JD Rim hasn't played. So there's a ton of guys that will help this football team that have been out slash banged up. So I'm I'm glad we're we're gonna let some guys uh, get off their feet and just chill, relax, and then get ready for Aggie
0: Land. It'll give someone like Jarquez an opportunity to get back in his mojo. Give us a chance to figure out this Ravi Peyton dilemma. It should go as planned, and I'm happy it's a night game, too. gives gives the full day slate to watch some games. Great time to tailgate. And speaking of the night versus noon, 2.30, whatever, dilemma, thanks, Texas A&M. Now we have to wake up at 9 a.m. in Aggieland and hear your weird cheers in the morning time because you lost to Miami. That's going to be brutal.
2: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to already go out and say I'm going to future put out a uh, must-win not just for our season outlook, but so that I don't, I'm not stuck in Aguiland for 12 <laughs> <laughs> straight, over 24 hours, suffering and suffering a lot. That's what At I said this first do episode
0: in is the Houston airport following an Aggieland defeat. Uh, I'd argue you'd be a tad bit unbearable, especially if the Titans lose too. That would just be an all around horrible football. Don't need to talk
2: about that, but uh, that was a hypothetical. Yeah, I
0: mean, we uh, look. My Steelers lost 30 to seven week one. Jack Cushman still has not recovered from what happened last night at the Meadowlands. Wow. Anyways, let's uh, continue with what we originally had scheduled. We'll talk about Aggieland next week. I just can't believe 11 a.m. But anyways, we're going to do a little buy-sell. Let's do the entire football world as a whole. So it can be NFL, college, anything you want. You want me to kick it off so we can get a better idea? So I'll I'll start us off. I'll start off with my sell. Why don't we start off on the negative side get that out of the way? For the college football world, I am going to sell West Coast games. I did not enjoy that at all. I did not think that was fun. That was way too late for me. Seeing Tumor scorers at 1 a.m. was cool. But I like I, – I, I think we're going to take for granted how awesome the 3.30 game was. I really do believe that was the best – or 2.30 for y'all central time, folks. I do believe that is the best time for football – gives you an opportunity to tailgate and watch the games later. That nighttime game, because I felt like that Texas-Bama game took out all my energy, and I don't know. that There's, from the, from the team to us wearing orange back in Auburn, I did not enjoy the West Coast games. Also, I had on my list college game day. I feel like it's a dying show with the loss I know we got of multiple people, multiple and openings. then... I, I was just starting out there. It was a couple goofy things, but y'all are going
2: to love my buy. I'll buy, I'll, buy uh, I'll buy Stanford Steve replacing the bear, though. Uh, mm. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. yeah. He's been solid. So for my buy, and
0: I'm ready to hear y'all's thoughts. And Jack, you're a Cowboys guy, so you may enjoy this. Skip Bayless of Undisputed. You want to know why? Because he's going to have one heck of a fall. Let me break this down. The Cowboys are going to be good. He's a new show with some great talent. I love him and Richard Sherman. Baker won. Mahomes is without Kelsey, so he's going to lose a few games. The Packers without Aaron Rodgers, who he also doesn't like, won. So that gives him some fuel like the Packers never needed Aaron Rodgers. It's just going to be a fall of Skip. He's going to be on clips everywhere. He's going to be super annoying on Twitter, and he is going to make waves like he did when Tim Tebow was playing in the NFL. And that's my buy and sell.
1: Nice. Uh, I'll follow up myself. I'm, I would agree with you. I was gonna say, would be McAfee. Uh from what I gathered on Twitter, I know our Generation likes him, but uh Twitter, <laughs> Twitter did not like McAfee on Game Day, and neither did the Auburn message boards for some reason. I
2: don't uh, uh, I don't love. Him. I don't love him on on Game Day. I think I, I like him on his own on his own little show, but I, think, I agree. I think we should, prof- we should be a little, a little more professional on Game Day. You know, wear a, wear a real suit. I don't. And yeah, his, his
1: drip is terrible. Put on a tie. I agree. And then I'm going to go, my buy on the opposite end of that would be the Barstool Sports Show. Uh, they, they're awesome. They're fun to listen to. Yeah. I I stopped by. I wanted, I had to see big cat.
2: Did you hackle Brandon Walker for me?
1: I I did not. I didn't want to draw attention to the one guy in an Auburn polo and maybe get some, get some jeers from them. But it, it was, it's a cool show, you know, and despite how much I, I, don't really like Brandon Walker either. He is good at his job, and Big Cat does well, as does Portnoy, and I believe it was uh, Casey, right? The girl, isn't she going? Mm-hmm. Casey I, Smith. Yes, I, I believe so. Shout and they out do that crew. They, they do a good job, and that crew's fun to listen to. So you know it'll be fun to watch them uh, throughout the year and see all the games they go to. They're
0: unfiltered. They're unapologetic. But where can you
1: watch it? I don't know where to watch their show. Uh, I believe they just stream it on YouTube. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like stream. So it is harder
2: to watch, but that that would be my buy.
0: Garb Belly, who wants to hop in the batter's
2: box? I'll let Melo go. I'm looking for one more stat before I go. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm unprepared here.
3: I'll uh, I'll sell stock in, in Nick Saban. I think. <laughs> yeah, I I think. That he, poison. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah. I'm not I'm not praying on his downfall by any means, but I think he he's. Uh, He's on his way out for sure.
0: Yeah, that was one of my things on my list too Is the college coaches that we grew up on. Saban, Dabo, Kelly. I even threw in Ryan Day. I know we didn't grow up with him, but I feel like he's about to go on his way out of Ohio State. They don't seem to like him on Twitter. But, yes, I agree.
3: I think that was, yeah, it was Alabama's first at-home non-conference loss since Saban's first year when they lost to, like, UL Monroe. Yep. Correct. Which is crazy that... That even came out of my mouth.
1: It's almost twenty years ago, like fifteen.
2: Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, Yeah. fifteen, sixteen years ago. Maybe it's a reason to buy though. When (laughs) When all the stock is low, Bama's like Tesla
0: stock. When it's down, you sort of have to buy it. But Graham, any what's your buy?
2: (laughs) I I'll, I'll let Garber hop into the batter's box and. Um, Take I'm, it from there. I'm not gonna give you a buy if you don't have any. I guess buy some. Um, it's it's been valued. It's been valued pretty good, pretty time tested. Um, I'm gonna give you a hold, um, and that's pick six U Iowa. They got another one this week. <laughs> I mean that place for for how bad of an offense and how boring of a team it is. They just love returning interceptions for touchdowns. I mean, if you've never given yourself the pleasure of watching Iowa pick six U on YouTube. Look it up. It's a compilation that lasts for hours, and maybe not hours, but it lasts for a long time, and <laughs> it's exciting. I'll check it out. Um, and then my real sell, or no, my real actual buy, and I don't know if you guys are going to like it, but it's the Clemson Tigers. And I know that and I, I know everyone's going to say, oh, they're dead, they're dead. I'm not so sure, really. I know that I'm not saying that they're better than Florida State. I don't even know that they'll win that game. But – I do know that it is Clemson, and it is still Dabo, and it's hard to disregard, you know, the body of work we've seen the last however many seasons, and not not see anyone improve. I think, for whatever reason, the country thinks that they're going to be six and six this year, and that's just not the case. ACC is too easy. All they have to do is win a game, they should, one game that they shouldn't, and bam, they're right back in ACC contention. And then because the, now the ACC no longer does conferences; it's just the top two teams. So, even if they lose to Florida State early, by the end of the year, if they figured it out, knock off Florida State in that ACC championship, there's a real question mark there is whether they should be in or not. So, I don't know. It's worth taking a stab because I think Clemson is at an all time low. Another thing of note is that they're not in the AP, which makes sense because, you know, AP would get crucified for putting them there. But the coaches' pull, you know, all the coaches, they still got them there and like around hovering around 20. So.
0: Yeah, but there's a difference from losing a early on non-conference game compared to losing a conference game. Let alone to
2: Duke. That was that was that's a hard league. that is a hard first first um, first game of the season. And then think about Ohio State losing to Virginia Tech. They week didn't one. win. Uh, whatever year they won, they didn't the lose. They beat Virginia Tech by like two touchdowns. Are you think the Braxton Miller spin move? They didn't lose. No, no, no. I want to say they lost a. They, they dropped lose. an in-conference. They they dropped an in-conference loss in week one and ended up going to either the playoff or. They lost to Oklahoma
0: early on. That was when Baker spiked the flag. Yeah, give that a quick look. I do not I, I do not remember Ohio State. They lost to Purdue bad. That was funny. But some other stuff I had on here, which I think you all enjoy, I, I'm buying stock in Bo Nicks, the Auburn defense. I think that may be our niche throughout the year is just rely on them some games. Hopefully that's not every game, but, again, that's since maybe – Stidham's first year. I feel like we've had to rely on our defense a lot of times. And another thing is SEC haters. This is their time to shine. What are we three and six against other Power Five teams? This yeah, is the, no, what they've been waiting ours, for for years. Ours, we have two wins. Who the SEC?
1: Us, us and Mississippi State are the only. And
0: one. Tennessee beat Virginia. Uh,
1: yep. Yeah, if we can, were But it was all,
0: yeah, it was all like Mickey Mouse non-conference wins. It was like Cal Berkeley, Arizona, and Virginia, and I'm, Nissan. I, I, I don't know. It's.
1: Mississippi State more credit on the Arizona win. I think Arizona was going into the season with a little bit more hopes than what you would expect out of Arizona. There is a
2: case to be made that the SEC is, you know, trailing a little bit. But, I mean, we're just going to see how it shakes out.
0: Yeah, and we'll also see the result of this Ohio State dilemma. But we're going to take a quick break, come back, and continue our weekly segment of sending out some sharp picks. Again, disclaimer, we're not sharps, but we like to do it. Anyways, thank you guys for staying up with us, and we will be back shortly. And now it's time for the Barnesboro Bed 2-Minute Drill. We're going to go through these picks fast, fast, fast. And last time, we and Garber ran through, so we're going to give Mr. Gramello Copeland the kickoff today. Graham, what are your picks? you got two minutes on the clock. Go. Uh,
3: FSU minus 25.5. I'm going to keep riding that horse. Um, Indiana plus ten is my second pick. Who are they playing? I forget. Somebody looked that up for me. Um then I got <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh they're at home. And I'll take the Iowa State versus Ohio under. They play Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Um Iowa State versus Ohio under forty five. Neither team has reached that number yet in both their number? games. What is
2: that number? Forty
3: five. Okay. Iowa State versus Ohio. Uh, and then give me the Georgia Tech versus Ole Miss over sixty three two high powered offenses, defenses. The jury's still out there. Over sixty three Georgia Tech versus Ole Miss.
0: Quick like Gus's offense, Jack. You're on the clock.
1: All course, right, all right, all right. So we're gonna start off with Penn State minus fourteen against Illinois. Uh, this is my buy team. I love Penn State, and I just I don't see them losing or I don't see them winning by anything less than three scores in this game. So Penn State minus fourteen for my favorite. Now for my underdog, this is kind of a wild card pit, but I uh, I like what I've seen from them so far. Give me Mississippi State plus 10 at home uh, against LSU. I think it's going to be a fun game, and I think Mississippi State can make it interesting. And now for my over, I'm going Washington against Michigan State. I think Washington might score 60 on them. Michigan State just fired their head coach, and it is going to be a bloodbath, and it is a game that I think Washington is going to beat the crap out of them. And then for my under, give me – Tennessee Florida under 56 and a half I don't know if you guys seen the stat about how poorly Tennessee has played in the swamp in like the last 10 games there so oh, I just know it yeah It's no, I, it's bad I think it's a um I think it's gonna be a sloppy game that Tennessee pulls out but I'm gonna take under 56 and a half in that game I think I like it's going to be sloppy I like that kaboom garb
2: all right so I'm starting out um, so I'm starting out with my favorite UNC minus seven and a half against Minnesota I just think. I don't know. It's a low total, or it's a it's a low spread. Give give me Drake May. Give give me UNC at home. Going head to head against Graham here. I'm taking Boston College plus 25 and a half. I think right now Washington is you know obviously explosive. Then they have to go and play at no. This is not Washington. Florida this State. Is, uh, Florida State. My bad. I'm going against you in that game later. But I'm t- but <clears throat> with with um, Florida State explosive offense obviously balls rolling everybody's high on them right now then they have to go all the way up to boston they're in the same conference but i mean tallahassee to boston is a little bit of a trek a little bit of a different atmosphere so i think they're just i think they'll win but 25 and a half a lot of points give me them and then I'm going for my over I'm going to take Oregon State San Diego State over 48 and a half just seems kind of low a little bit of reverse line movement on that game I think Ugalele is going to put up points. They've been putting up points every game so far. San Diego State, West Coast, I don't know, in my mind, over sounds right. And then I'm going against you, Grant, you here. I'm taking the Washington, Washington, Michigan State under 57 and a half. I think it's a weird game for Washington. West Coast team having to come all the way over to East Lansing. Uh, 57 and a half, a lot of points. Pennix obviously can put up points in a hurry, but I think that defense is going to – I think it's definitely going to start slow. So give me under 57 and a half.
0: Well done, Garb. Just barely cracking that two-minute mark, and I will go ahead and finish this off here. I'm going with my over South Carolina, Georgia, 55. Give me the dogs, 45 to 14 around that range. I believe that will be a route, and also South Carolina is going to put up some tiki-tac points. Moving on, to Garb, I'm going to disagree with you on Florida State. I think Florida State's that good, and I think Boston College is that bad. Also, I just love that the entire city of Boston is having a poor sports year. I don't care about the Red Sox, don't care about baseball, don't know what they're up to, but the Celtics with the heartbreaking loss, okay, the Red Sox aren't doing well, and also the Patriots on Tom Brady Day lost, so I'm going to continue the theme of a poor year for the city of Boston all around in sports. Moving on. This is going to be my lock of the week. Give me Tulsa plus 27 against Oklahoma. I don't know if y'all have been following around with Oklahoma, but there is a lot of controversy in that locker room with the former assistant of Art Briles, Jeff Levy, and his son-in-law bringing him onto the field. It's causing a ruckus in the Oklahoma locker room. Too much controversy there. We don't have to get into Art Bryles. For them Moving on, Michigan and Bowling Green. Give me the under 51 because Michigan is the token school that wins games 35 to seven against cupcakes literally that was their score last weekend I think that's gonna be the same page again without Harbaugh, it's gonna be a boring no field goals it's just gonna be your token video game type score where you're playing dynasty mode on freshman mode and you win 35 to seven when you sim defense so they score one time and those are my picks for the week can you repeat that
2: total on that South Carolina UGA game 55 55 and fifty. you said 51 for Michigan Bowling Green yes All right. So uh, I'm going to give a little rundown real quick. Yeah. Far away. Um, So, uh, last week, obviously Labor Day, Monday, Monday show. We did not, we're not able to offer picks, but from week one, I wanted to catch the people up. Trey is in the lead right now with three wins, one loss. Graham and I are both tied for second and two and two. And Jack Vesey is one and three against the spread. Nobody swept the board. No one's gone over. So we're keeping it in the middle. A little regression to the mean. Um, but interested to see how this year goes. Um, yeah,
0: and this week I've, goes. I feel like I've come into the season with a chip on my shoulder. I was getting bashed for my "quote unquote" lack of football knowledge, and I'm out on top week one. I'm the Colorado of this room right now. He's cocky right now. He's he's drinking the rat poison. He sees
2: he sees plus numbers. And but
0: we've also talked about this. I feel like the mega b- ball knowers out there, the Herb Streets, whoever the Roth scene of college football is, is probably also not looking too well. There's been a lot of shocking outcomes, especially with the Texas thing. And I don't know, it's just it's just a weird start and we've keep alluding
2: back to it. O seven, oh seven
0: dare I say hey. the same
2: vibes. Hey. Everyone's struggling though. Why do they build buildings so tall in Vegas? Also <laughs> also This is weird because the
0: Week 2 slate to me was way better than this Week 3 slate. I always feel like the Week 2 week is the year or the part of the season where every big-time team plays cupcakes, and then there's one big game. You'll have the Oklahoma-Ohio State. You'll have Bama playing an SEC opponent. But there was multiple big games last week in my eyes. I don't. Colorado didn't have prime. It probably wouldn't have been that big of a game, but I feel like that was one that everyone had their eyes glued to the screen. Texas and Alabama. I mean, dare I say more? Those are bl- the bluest of bloods in college football. Yeah, and then no all- ranked
2: on ranked matchup.
3: Yeah, it's not. This is not a marketable week. There's a lot of um, top twenty teams on the road this week. Something to keep your eye- keep your eye on. What's the two thirty CBS game? Is it Georgia and South Carolina?
1: I believe so. I'll check. Uh, yes, it is. Also, don't want to get ahead of myself, but. Get ready for next week's episode because uh, we might quite possibly be seeing the greatest college football weekend slate we've seen in a long time. Mm. Wow. Who do we got? If you're not excited for next week, You'll wait, now, wait now you, you are.
2: Monday.
0: <laughs> yeah, Well, we'll talk about that more next week. Let's just go around the table with a score prediction for Sanford, and we'll call, call it a wrap here on this Monday night. We go back watch some Monday night football, watch Zach Wilson tear it up, I'll, I'll kick us off here. I think it's going to be, I'm going to go 52 14 again. That was my prediction for UMass. It was close, very close, but in the end, no cigar.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't even, there's not even really a number out yet. I think that's due to Sanford being an FCS school. Um, so I guess we'll have to stay tuned for a number on that, but the big number for Auburn to hit. But I think I'll probably be around, along the same realm. Give me 60. Give me 62. 62, 62-7, Auburn. All right. Uh, I'm gonna keep
1: mine short. Give me. We'll go 52-0. Wow. That needs to be a shutout. All right. I think we cracked 60.
3: Um, Give me 65 to 13. 65 to
0: 13. So their kicker's gonna put on quite the
3: show. Bad week for kickers too. Leave
0: yeah. that as a little cliffhanger. I'm, I want my fellow kickers kickers out there to be motivated for next week. College kickers, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you guys again for staying up late with us here at Barnes Before Bed. This was a first show in two weeks. Unfortunately, we couldn't do one last week following week one due to the holiday break and the student center being closed. But happy to be back in front of the microphones talking ball with y'all boys once again. Always a pleasure. But for Trey Atkins, Campbell Garber, Jack VC, and Graham Copeland, thank you guys for listening. And as always, War Eagle. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barners Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans. And as always, War Eagle.